Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Breakfast Briefing. My name is Henry Jennings and it is Monday the 18th of July and as usual with all the information contained in this briefing it is general advice only so please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this briefing and if you need to you can always pause the slideshow here and read our disclaimer in full and if you're listening on a podcast wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours you can head on over to marcustoday.com.au at your earliest convenience and read the disclaimer there of course or you can sign up for a free trial if you're not yet a member of our wonderful community and of course there's all lots of other wonderful goodies on the website that you don't get in the emails or the podcasts. All right, well, last night, or rather Friday night, we saw a strong finish for the US for the week. We had the Dow up 2.15% or 658 points, 31,288. The Nasdaq was up 1.79%, 201 points, 11,452. And the S&P 500, as always, in the middle for diddle, up 1.92%, 73 points, 38.63. What sparked this rally in Wall Street were waning fears of interest rate hikes. We also saw consumer expectations of inflation coming well and truly off the boil in the US over the next three to five years. So that is a positive. And we also saw some very impressive numbers coming out of Citigroup. And the stock there was up 13%. So that ignited a bit of a rally in the bank sector. They are the, being the first stocks off the rank in terms of those results. That was enough to put the positivity in their stride in the US. As I say, Dow up 658 points. Our SPY futures up 57.88%. So we're going to give, uh, we're going to take back what we gave up on Friday. Friday we were down 51, uh, 45 points on the ASX 200, 51 points on the All Lords, and we had SPY futures up 57. So we're going to be in theory, up 12 points on the two sessions. But the big news will be ANZ, and we'll get to that in a minute. The VIX index was down two points to 24, 8.22% down. So that VIX index continues to drift lower. The summer doldrums partly to blame for that. And also volatility does seem to be eking out of the U.S. market, although in the U.S. on Friday, uh, we did have a low of 145 up, for the Dow and a high of 658 up, so closing on its highs there. So still a pretty big range, really. Commodities, though, we had uh, another interesting night in commodities. Brent crude up 2.1%, $2.06, 101.16. We had WTI up a dollar 81 or 1.89%, 97.59. The gold price barely raising a heartbeat there, down $2.20 or 0.13%, 1703.60, but it looks like it might have a little test of that 1700 level on US dollar terms at least. Iron ore price continues to be weak in Dalian futures on Friday. It was actually below $100. We've got it at 10307, down $1.93 or 1.84%, but certainly the outbreak of covid and the continued severity of that in Shanghai and elsewhere, with also property problems in China as well, weighing on sentiment. That is across the commodity spectrum at the moment. So it's going to be an interesting period for commodity stocks when they report in the next month or so. Iron ore was down, and we also saw 
The copper price was up 0.37%, so that was slightly better. Nickel up 0.7%, aluminium up 0.15%, zinc up 1.9%, lead and tonne unchanged. In the mining stocks, BHP was up 2.1%, Rio up 1.3%, Freeport up 2.9%, Alcoa was up 5.5%, Tech down 2.6%, Anglo up 0.1%, Glencore up 1.4%, Vale up 1.3%, and Arbomile in the lithium space up 2 So a little bit of strength coming through in those resource stocks, and we will get some interesting moves in the banks today, that's for sure in our banking sector so that's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out but um, certainly seeing a little bit of weakness in the coal price now coming through uranium weakness as well coal was down 4.15 percent and uranium down 1.68 the only stock uh, commodities that are really holding up at the moment are the lithium price and thermal coal pricing which remains very strong for the likes of Whitehaven etc. Here you can see the S&P 500 closing on its highs. So a pretty good night all around that Citigroup number really helping. In terms of US stocks, we had Apple up 1.1, Meta up 4.2, Google up 1.3, Microsoft up 1, Amazon 2.6% better, Tesla only 0.7% better, Netflix had an 8.2% gain. That was a big gain there for Netflix. But the US banks were the place to be. On Friday, JP Morgan, 4.6% higher. Citigroup, 13.2% higher. Goldman Sachs, 4.4%. Bank of America, 7%. Wells Fargo, 6.2%. And Block, the artist formerly known as Square, up 5.7%. Even Twitter managed a 4% rise on Friday. So all was good in the garden of the US. Major stories in international Terms, we had supply chain distress appears to be easing alongside rising concerns about softening consumer demand. Of course, the US is the biggest consumer in the world, and we do see some supply chain distress easing there. And the US does risk of talking itself into recession, an economist at Moody's says. Well, that is blatantly obvious, and that certainly is helping the Fed in their fight against inflation. But we do see China COVID cases jumping. Officials say still severe in Shanghai, so that's obviously having an effect on commodities at the moment, which are all under pressure across the board, especially that iron ore price. Chinese central bank governor pledges stronger support to economy. Well, that's fine, but if you keep locking it down, it gets a bit harder. And the state-owned press argues monetary policy has sufficient space and ample tools. Qantas has forecast more bumps ahead after travellers blast chaos. Well, Alan Joyce has got a lot to answer for, I suspect, in the current chaos. But it's not the only airline that has chaotic conditions, and certainly not the only airport, Sydney being one that has chaotic conditions. The UK and Europe is just appalling at the moment, so I've been told. A two, three hours wait to get your baggage. That's if it turns up at all. And the White House economy, economic advisor says it's hard to conclude US is in recession, given strong payroll numbers and consumer tailwinds. And at the G20 finance minister's meeting, they found strong consensus on food security. That was it. And the number of, uh, and the way to wear a shirt, I suspect. And Sunak and Mordant, Rizzi Sunak and Penny Mordant, are now emerging as the favourites as the UK's prime minister race continues. 
Okay, well here, of course, we're expecting a pretty solid day. Now, the only fly in the ointment is that ANZ is raising or is buying Suncorp's bank business in a near, well, it's a $5 billion deal. So they're buying the banking business from Suncorp. Obviously, the ACCC is going to be having a look at this. They have now abandoned the MYOB deal. Uh, the market didn't really like that anyway, and I guess it's too hard to do two deals and one deal. The Suncorp is certainly a much, much better deal from ANZ's point of view, giving him that uh, big leg up in Queensland. But to pay for this, lucky shareholders are going to be paying for this. There's a $3.5 billion capital raise, so that money has to come from somewhere. Now, institutions do have plenty of cash, I would imagine, at the moment sitting on the sidelines. So it may have a, a mere ripple effect on the market, but knocking $3.5 billion out of the market does tend to slow things down a little bit. At least it may slow things down in the banking sector, and we may get a little bit of juggling in terms of relative weightings for some of the institutions with the banking sector as they have to buy more ANZ to support that deal. They are launching a fully underwritten 1 for 15 pro rata accelerated renounceable entitlement offer at $18.90, which is a 12% discount to the theoretical entitlement rights price of $21.47. That's the TERP, T-E-R-P, something we have explained in the newsletter uh, before. So that is the big event of the day. Uh, and that will weigh a little bit, but I suspect uh, the fact that we have seen commodities slightly better, international miners slightly better, despite the fact the iron ore price is down, uh, with BHP up 2.1% and Rio up 1.3%. That will certainly help our mining sector, but all eyes will be on Dalian Futures as we go through the day to see if we get that bounce. But at the moment, it is showing that they're below 100 bucks a tonne, so that will weigh a little bit, and that banking uh, $3.5 cap raise will weigh a little bit on the banking sector, but positivity will rule. In terms of economic news out today, not an awful lot. The New Zealand second quarter CPI, the RBA here, the Reserve Bank, will release minutes from its latest meeting on Tuesday. And of course, big week for US reporting. That Citigroup one really kicked the market higher and uh, the market pretty happy with the prospects of, uh, of better days for Citigroup down the track. 73 S&P 500 companies including seven of the Dow 30. Remember, the Dow index only 30 companies. Seven of those are reporting this week for the second quarter. We did see strong markets in Europe. The stock's 50 was up 2.4%. FTSE up 1.7%. CAC up 2%. And the DAX up 2.8%. And we did see, again, those yields in the US come under some pressure, 2.92%. So that is part of the reason why we saw the rally in tech stocks, part of the reason why we have seen the rally in the U.S. market. And certainly some of the inflation expectations, U.S. consumers expecting rises of around 2.8% over the next 5 to 10 years, which is down from June's 3.1%. So that is certainly stoking the bulls and, of course, very oversold in the U.S. So we are seeing that rally. Australia, 3.4%. That has come down a little bit, but not huge amounts. But Germany, one12 that has come down a huge amount in the last month or so, uh, from around 1.65 to 1.12. So that is a big, big drop there in German 10-year yields. ANZ buying Suncorp's bank business. Uh, as I said, it's a $3.5 billion capital raise. In other news today, EML Payments, 
sees the Sharks circling another story in the AFR today. The private equity is thought to be interested, but the board not keen to engage with anyone, given the price has absolutely been mahullered uh, recently down to uh, around a dollar. Uh, it's hardly a surprise that the board is not keen to engage with anybody. Iron ore is now down 30% in a month. It was down another 4% on Friday on Dalian Futures, below 100 bucks. We do have BHP production reports on Wednesday. And to put some context around commodities and what tends to happen in commodities is when they one goes, they all tend to go as they are all linked. Everything is connected to everything, as they say. And commodity trading houses, CTAs, uh, they tend to have commodity exposure across the board and they sell across the board and some of it is indiscriminate and when you're selling into a vacuum and at the moment we do have a bit of a vacuum because Chinese markets are being disrupted by the COVID outbreaks and also the housing crisis they do seem to be having once again in China uh, that we have got forced selling into a vacuum which is pushing markets down. Copper prices are down 31% over the last four months that's Dr. Copper that is a, that is a signal or it is a sign, I guess, of world economic growth. It's always seen as a proxy to economic growth. Coking coal, we've had a lot of focus on the likes of Whitehaven and New Hope, which are very much involved in thermal coal, which is used in power stations, but coking coal, which is used in the process to make iron ore, iron ore into steel. Prices have fallen there 62% in the last four months. And thermal coal, which is the power station stuff because of the Russian issues, Thermal coal prices are now nine times higher than they were two years ago. Nine times higher than they were two years ago. And St. Barbara may have multiple buyers for its PNG Simburi operations. And of course, Cameron Smith wins the 150th Open at St. Andrews in fine style, bringing the mullet home. Well done, Cameron. Congratulations. Question of the day today. Given the US inflation expectations that we saw on Friday from consumers, what are your inflation expectations over the next two years, shall we say? So what are you seeing in inflation now? What are you expecting over the next two years? Are we going to see runaway inflation or are we going to see it come under some sort of control? Of course, we do get the official CPI later this month. Uh, we do only do quarterly CPI as opposed to others that do monthly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what that quarterly number brings. Well, that's it. Thanks very much for listening. You can head on over to the Facebook discussion group as always. It's a wonderful group, a great amount of members over there, 3,700 people on that group. Hard to believe, isn't it? And some great insights and some great ideas from people there. So I'd urge you to sign up and head on over there. If you're listening to this on a podcast and you want to listen to other wonderful Marcus Tadanus, then there is the Marcus Strategy podcast, which is our fly-on-the-wall morning meeting podcast. There's the On The Desk podcast with the team in Melbourne talking all things financial, and my On The Couch podcast, where I dip in and dip out of CEOs and fund managers on an irregular basis. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Julian McCormack from Platinum Asset Management, and he ran me through the bear case. It is a very big bear case. Maybe that was a signal that we'd seen the bottom of the market. Who knows? But anyway, I'd urge you to have a listen to that. But thanks very much for listening. Have a great day, and may the trading gods be with you.